And uh, here we are. Welcome to the Sweat the Small Stuff podcast. Welcome to the Sweat the Small Stuff podcast. My name is Ethan. I am here with your co-host, TJ. How you doing, TJ? Doing great, Ethan. Doing swell. Do I say swell? <laughs> no. I thought mine was pretty good. You throw swell out there. Nobody you surprised me, man. I didn't know this was Impressions Day. Uh, oh. Save it for the Impressions Pod, unless that was the Impressions Pod. But this that is a the small stuff pod. Impressions Corner. Uh, we'll throw maybe an Impressions Corner in next week's podcast. <coughs> um, this podcast caught me so off guard. Uh, we are here to talk about the week in sports. Today is February 3rd. February 3rd, 2022. Uh, here with TJ on uh, this Skype cast on a, uh, a nice Thursday evening. How are you doing, bud? Oh, swell. I nailed doing it. Sw- doing swell. I like how you made uh, your voice crack there, too. That was my impression of you doing an impression of me. I think I nailed it. All right. We're getting too deep in there. <laughs> Save that for the Metapod. The me- so many pods. So little time. Save that for the uh, Recursion we- Pod. We're here to talk, talk sports, talk playoffs. It's the NFL playoffs. Are we TJ? talking about practice, Ethan? Are we talking about practice? Not only are we not talking about practice, not only are we talking about playoffs, but we are talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, it's finally forthcoming. Uh, we just had the AFC and NFC championship games, which provided some incredible drama as uh, as far as NFL action is concerned. And uh, we had the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals, uh, take on the Kansas City Chiefs in what appeared to be a uh, a Kansas City curb stomp for the first two quarters of the game. Yeah, they they scored on three consecutive drives with ease. And then, uh, what is it? There's like seconds left on the clock, end of the first half. And uh, their Kansas City offense is in the red zone. No timeouts because Andy Reid yeah. just kind of king of screwed them management. on timeouts. He tried to call a challenge. That's his over, thing, man. Yeah, play it, clock it, management. That's always been his thing going back like twenty years. Uh, he blew an Eagles Super Bowl appearance against the Patriots in like '05 with that shit. But um, yeah, Mo- Mahomes lost his mojo. He, could, he Mahomes, couldn't come back. Uh, checked the ball down instead of just throwing it out in the back of the end zone, leaving some time on the clock, which would have allowed them to score a field goal. Instead, uh, tosses the ball aside. The clock runs out without the Chiefs scoring. And the Chiefs would fail to score until like the last five minutes of the game. And uh, the Bengals, man, they they turned it on just like they did when they played against the the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season. They came back from an 11 point deficit and uh, 18 point deficit. My my bad. 18 point deficit. It was 21 to three. The tied for the largest uh, comeback in uh, conference champion history, conference championship history. Went to overtime where uh, the Bengals lost the coin toss, which was kind of poetic because the Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills after winning a coin toss in overtime. Um, but, you know, the, the Chiefs won it this time around and their luck did not continue. Fearless McPherson, Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, sent Cincinnati to the Super Bowl for the first time since I think either of us have been alive, TJ. Their last Super Bowl yeah. appearance, 89. That is correct. Uh, it's weird to see the Bengals uh, go this deep, but man, 
it's just hard not to root for Joe, Joe Burrow. Honestly. I'm loving it, man. I don't think even uh, even my dad, who's a Chiefs fan, I was texting him during the game, and he even said that he's he actually hopes that the the Bengals pull this off in the Super Bowl. Uh, I won a little bit of money off the game. I, uh, I recently downloaded DraftKings uh, through the state of Oregon, and here in, in in Oregon, where we reside, it's legal to to gamble on sports now. Uh, but like, I got a referral code from a friend. And they gave me uh, 25 free dollars for depositing $25. So I got like a $25 free bet, essentially, where if I lose it, I don't, you know, lose anything. If I win it, I get whatever the winnings are. And then that free $25 goes away. Um, anyway, I bet on the Bengals covering the spread. It was a, a seven-point spread, which is enormous in NFL gambling. Like, usually it's like three, four and a half. Uh, but you got to really, like, not think the other team is going to win if you're going to put a seven and a half point spread on it it was seven well, and a half if the game continued on like it was uh, for the first half yeah. then it did not look like they were going to get close it to covering the spread didn't look like i was going to get that um but anyway not only did i win my bet the bengals won the game and uh i think this is like the team that most of america if you're not a chiefs fan or a chiefs fan affiliate like you are tj i know they're like your second team uh, I think most of America is rooting for the Bengals, though. Joe Burrow, heartbreak kid, like these guys are their story. Yeah, and uh, if not for Joe Burrow, uh, not, n- there's more than one superstar on the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Sam I, Hubbard, a defensive end for the yeah. Bengals, appeared on the Pardon My Take podcast. He's the captain uh, of their uh, defense. He's the captain of the defense, and... He said on the podcast, he was asked uh, about, you know, motivations about winning the Super Bowl. And he said that uh, he wants to win this one for Harambe. Uh, uh, the, yeah. the gorilla that was taken away too soon uh, back in 2016. This is and, a meme. Uh, I think we can say it was a meme, right? It was definitely a meme. Let me see if I can... I, let me get the audio really quick, so... Here's the audio. Has there been any discussion around the locker room about winning this one for Harambe? Mm. Bringing one home for the Sweet Prince. For the Lowland Meat Gorilla. Sweet Prince. No, uh, I mean, that's our guy. That's our hero. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's known. Kind of goes without saying. I think that's uh, known. You know, we're doing this for him. So so it's safe to say that... We're, we're doing this for him. You know, doing this doing one this for thing. Harambe. Uh, I think it goes without saying, actually. You know, I... I'm, I know that it goes without saying, but I'm glad they said it. <laughs> it was unspoken, but it's glad that it's been spoken. I appreciate that it was spoken. Anyway, um, that's the AFC. The AFC's uh, yeah, yeah. best they have to offer is the Cincinnati Bengals, who will who face have, off. Who have Harambe's the backing, man. They got, I, they got Harambe's backing. You don't think that gives them a boost going into the Super Bowl? The Rams got to go against Team Harambe now. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> the Rams. Uh, on that note, let's talk about the NFC Championship game uh, where the Los Angeles Rams uh, took on the San Francisco 49ers, who, uh, who tried. You know, Jimmy G, he completed a few passes. Not all Honestly, of them. Jimmy G, this That's was his best uh, game for the playoffs so far. He had multiple touchdowns, uh, over 150 yards passing. 
which is an incredibly low bar. But uh, he was, I mean, they were essentially one drive away from victory. So this was just another fantastic weekend of, of NFL football. But essentially, oh, hell, Rams defense was way too much for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offensive line. And honestly, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Made himself just, oh, just, he was just there. He was all over the place. Uh, do you think, he, uh, oh, do you think Odell's dad, like watching the game, just like turned to everyone and was like, I did this. Like, that's my editing skills. That's my, my video editing skills right here. I sent, I made this happen. <laughs> I got him out of Cleveland. Oh, I think our, the band R.E.M., which was the band who, you know, the song that was playing on that shitty Twitter video, I think they're watching this going, we did this. <laughs> this is why we oh, wrote Everybody Hurts. Anyway, the Rams uh, with Matt Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, they are they are going to the Super Bowl. Sean McVay coaching them. Second Super Bowl for Sean McVay and Aaron Donald, at least, here. Um, but will they win it this time? I don't. They're the favorites. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites in Vegas. I know you're not a huge fan of gambling talk here, but now I'm, I'm starting up a little bit of a gambling addiction, so get ready. Save it for the gambling corner. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, I think this has been like the the outcome of this season and this Super Bowl has to be like one of the like best viewed matchups in a long time. It's, it's fun. not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Tom Brady. It's not, you know, it's not just some team that's just been dominating the whole time. I don't think I know of anybody that hates the Bengals. Yeah. I don't think nope. that uh, the Rams have enough fans to have enough enemies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I weird point. I think uh, I think we're already like satisfied that the playoffs was a success, which is I think one of the like the messages you're trying to convey there. Like, but even without this Super Bowl, like we had a classic game between the Chiefs and the Bills neither team is going to the Super Bowl, but that game itself is going to be on like NFL Network. That's like this year's Minneapolis miracle when uh, the Vikings had that like Hail Mary pass uh, that what Case Keenum threw that got on the starting job in Denver the next year. But like neither the Vikings or the Saints made the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, so instant classic. And instant classic. I think the winners of this Super Bowl are going to be just fans you know, if the Rams win it, Matt Stafford legitimizes himself and all of like the trauma he went through for like a decade in Detroit for having never won a playoff game. And now they only got there like twice to like a and while. Now, time. the first year he is traded away, he takes it all the way to the biggest stage in football. Uh, congrats then, to him. Yeah. Uh, Von Miller has a chance to get another ring, which I'm a fan of. If I had to put my cards on the table right now, I think the fact that I can still root for Von Miller, uh, the jersey that I have, my Broncos jersey, is a Von Miller jersey. So I'm I'm a fan of the man. I'm a fan of the Halloween party. I'm a fan of the legend. Uh, so in this that instance, Halloween despite party. me being an AFC guy, uh, I want to see the Rams pull this off. But honestly, I won't be disappointed if the Bengals end up with a victory here. And I... I think a lot of people are coming into this game just really excited to just 
see some dang good football and and uh, not have the regulars involved, so to speak. Because I think I saw that this is the first Super Bowl since 2012 that doesn't have like the Chiefs, Patriots, or Broncos in it. Yeah, and also weird thing, um, just weird weird fact is that this is uh, I think the second time in two years that the Super Bowl is being hosted in the city that one of the teams plays in. Like the the yeah, last Rams year was the first time game. it happened, and last year was the first time it happened, and it never happened before that in like fifty like something Super Bowls. So crazy shit. Um, all right. But speaking of no Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, oh my god. So uh, Tom, someone retired from the NFL recently. Some joke. Uh, no big deal. Uh, just the greatest of all time, Tom Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Retired from the game of football. Thomas and, uh, McCorkle Brady. I say Giselle, it all the time. Giselle got her guy, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we had a segment here a couple of years ago, a uh, year and a half ago or so, where for for some reason or another, we just decided to dedicate like a whole podcast to casting a biopic of Sir Nicholas Foles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that. That took a, that was several minutes. That was yeah. a long time we were talking about that. And all the rest of our podcasts have been pretty serious, like sports news ones, but that one's just like the outlier as like the, the lost tape, you know, like the, <laughs> the Nick Foles biopic episode, I feel like is just like our one, like for goofs. And I thought we'd just like bring back a little bit of it in honor of Tom Brady retiring to to cast Tom Brady in a biopic. Now, we're not going to fall into the same traps of the last one. We're not going to do any coaches. We needed structure, and we created structure for ourselves. No significant others are being casted. It's going to be just Tom Brady, just Tommy. And then we're going to do one, uh, what's the phrase for it? Honorable mention that we can't go into any real description of. We just got to say their name, say that's my honorable mention selection and then move on to your rank list and then uh you get you get three that you can seriously nominate as a candidate to be cast uh for tom brady in a biopic all right so what i want to know is how are we gonna how are we gonna decide who goes first uh i feel like we should flip a coin right rock rock, paper scissors rock paper scissors all right, man. Rock, paper, scissors, go or rock, so paper, scissors? One, two, three, go. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, go. I, did. I, did. I got papes, dude. That's papes all day. All right, man. Ethan you go threw first. rock because he's soft as fuck. I threw paper because I am hard as fuck. <laughs> uh, nice. So, to begin this segment, Ethan, why don't you go ahead and introduce the segment? Uh, quarterback room casting couch to begin to begin the segment, the quarterback room casting couch, where we are uh, nominating three, three actors who we would think would be a good fit to play Tom Brady in the Tom Mm -hmm. Brady biopic, which will, you know, inevitably happen during our lifetimes. Yeah. My number one pick. Are you doing an honorable mention or we starting at number one pick? Oh, you won. You get to decide the order. How about I that? I want my number one pick. 
All right, go for it. My yeah, this, just the way that this we'll is. End, we'll end with the. Well, I don't want you to steal it too. So like, if if we pick the same person, I don't know. I want to put you on your toes. Fair enough. All right, number one pick to play, Tom Brady in the eventual Tom Brady biopic, uh, in the quarterback room casting couch segment. My pick goes to Tilda Swinton. Who, who's that? Who's Tilda? Who is Tilda Swinton? Yeah. My goodness. Elaborate. Tilda Swinton is... Give me, give me some IMDb. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Constantine. Okay. Uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, the Beach. The Grand Budapest Hotel. I saw a few of those. Burn oh, After Reading. Nice. I The, uh, the inspiration the and the reason that I chose Tilda Swinton really was her role as Satan in Constantine. Or, uh, think... not Satan, but, uh, my goodness. Ugh. Gabriel, sorry. So it says she's 61. Can can she play this young enough to be, like, a, a 30, 35-year-old TB12 going against, like, Russ mid-career, mid, you know, mid-legacy? Dog. If Netflix can de-age Robert De Niro like 40 years, Irishman, they can de-age Tilda Swinton like six months. She's got dude, it. News Newsflash. Netflix didn't do a great job with that. Like, I could see... Uh, Newsflash, they were nominated for awards. Makeup awards? Like, I am going to fact check that right now, what awards right, they were right. nominated for. But I'm just saying... Give me your number two. Give me your number two. Oh, I got to go number two? Went to number one. Oh, I thought you were going to go. Do I oh, get to okay, all three? Okay, okay. Let's all like, right. This was, very, uh, this was very loosely structured, audience. So we're kind of figuring this More out. More structured than last time, but still. Yeah. My number one for the Tom Brady biopic is Channing Tatum. Ew. All right. Hear me out. He can play it young. So he's like 40-something now, 42, early 40s. But he can easily play a young Tom Brady because I've seen him do it. 21 Jump Street 1 and 21 Jump Street 2. You mean 22, 22 Jump, Jump Street? Street. You he played a teenager and a college student when he was like 35. So he can play any age. He, Two things. Age. First thing, the Irishman was nominated for Best Visual Effects, which includes... The de-aging of Robert De Niro, so suck it. All right. Number two, I don't hate this pick. And, uh, all right, so continue with my, I got a couple other points, too. So, we, we you know, we covered his, he, he's got range as far as ages that he can play, I think is my point there. If you can play young, you can play it old. Um, athleticism. Let's talk about his sports movie, Coach Carter, where he played on a high-performing men's basketball team that made it to the high school playoffs. Uh, we've also got Step Up, where he's doing choreography and dance moves. He's Dude, so he's pliable. If you're gonna he's talk pliable. about athleticism and Channing Tatum, like the next thing. words out of your mouth had better be Magic Mike. Magic Mike, yes. There it is. There yeah, it is. Going. He can do it on the fucking pole, man. He can do it on the pole. He can captivate an audience. He could definitely captivate an NFL stadium with those moves. And uh, that, he, you know, you can't tell me that a guy that's getting up on a pole, he's like twisting himself into a pretzel up there. That's pliability. That's my number one. He's pliable. He's pliable. 
that was a huge factor for me in, in trying to select these people. Um, I think you'll be surprised at my honorable mention, um, but couldn't have them on the list. One factor, the pliability wasn't there. Good pick. Yeah. All right. What's your number two? So I decided to go for like a like a deep cut kind of guy here. Tilda and, wasn't uh, deep. Hey, Tilda could pull it off easy. Number two pick. Thomas Brody. Brody. What what's Brody been in? Uh he's been in Game of Thrones. He's been what's in that? Maze Runner. He's been in Nanny McPhee. Uh, he was also in the Queen's Gambit. Wasn't he He's that yeah, like, Maze Runner, man? Scrawny. I loved Maze Runner. That's that was a couple of movies that he was in, right? That was like a series. I I don't know that it got more than one. It, it, I, yeah, it, I guess I'm it on did. it right it now. Um, yeah. So nice. I like that. I like that pick. I like that pick. He's definitely got like the Irish pinched face that like Brady obviously has. Similar yeah, hair. I, I just I see it a little bit, you know. Yeah. Plus, he's like thirty and he looks twenty, so he could. Weird to say, but I think you got to like, you know, once you cast him, and you got like, you know, what maybe like two to six months before filming, you got to hire him a very specific nutritionist to bulk him up. You know, he looks a little skinny. You know who I nominate for his nutritionist? Number one, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. All right. <laughs> anyway, that's my <laughs> no question. no strawberries. No strawberries. Can't do yeah. it. Um, all right. Ready for my number two? Let's hear it. <sighs> Michael B. Jordan. Ooh, that would have been a good one. No. Uh, Bradley Cooper. So this guy takes a hit on the pliability. I got to be honest. He didn't he doesn't really show pliability. He looks like a you know, he, he probably would be slower than Tom Brady in a foot race. But I'll tell you what he's got. He's got acting chops. You talk about like serious De Niro-like actors. This guy is the Gen X version of that. Uh, Bradley Cooper. He's been in hella great films. He can totally like pull off all of the range of emotions that Tom Brady shows, including like that intensity and that like anger, like when he's like screaming at his teammates. Like I'm pretty sure you better. picked Bradley Cooper for Nick Foles too, man. You gotta chill out. I like I like Super Coop, man. I probably did. I did not look at my list of who I nominated for Nick Foles. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe this is some Freudian things about like uh, who I think is just a great actor. Um, but anyway, I like Bradley Cooper. And uh, he also, I want to say, did show one that he really likes uh, the NFL when or at least he can act like he does when he was in Silver Linings Playbook. That movie was all like Eagles fandom and with De Niro bringing De Niro up again. He was in that movie too. Like they're like superstitiously into the Eagles and like their odds on any given game. Cooper is like supposedly a good luck charm when he's like with De Niro or with Jennifer Lawrence. He would have like, uh, like veto power to be like, yo, this guy played an Eagles fan in another movie. Like maybe that's why he's not my number one. He's not my number one. That's why it's number two. Uh, he also has a little bit of a movie football experience with a flag football game in Wedding Crashers, where he was playing football with Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn and Rachel McAdams. So, so we know Maryland, he's at least heard you know, of American crab, football. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. That's a quote from that scene in that movie. Uh, that's my number two. Who you All got right. for your number three? My number three. Goes to the star of Dune, Timothy Chalamet. 
Uh, dude, I saw him in a photo with uh, Tilda when I was Googling her. I think they're homies. Uh, the, no, I like that pick. Another guy that you got to bulk up. You're going for some skinny dudes. Yeah, it's going to be easy for them. I mean, they don't got to bulk up. Tom Brady's not, like, shredded. They got to cultivate I mean? some mass. They can cultivate some mass. You know what? You know what? This will be, like, uh, Tilda Swinton can play, like, end of his career Tom Brady. And then in the flashbacks, Timothy Chalamet could play, like, college Brady to, like, you know, rookie first Super Bowl Brady. You Because I'm seeing this picture of them together, and I'm like, these two are Tom Brady. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, any other comments you want to throw out about Timmy? He was in that uh, Don't Look Up movie. Uh, He's got acting chops. He's got chops. He got chops, man. That movie's getting nominated for some stuff. He's in it with uh, Leo. And Leo, uh, he was at that Rams game. Don't tell me he's your third pick. No. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, third pick here is Andrew Garfield. Uh, hey, star yeah. of the second set of Spider-Man movies that aired in the like early 2010s. Uh, he has. Shit, I uh, hate one... all of my picks now because I think that's the best one. Thank. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's a, that's very nice of you to say. Uh, on my little, th- I had Besides three bullet points for him. Uh, first bullet point on my list: he has a history of being Spider-Man. That's that's the first thing I wrote on this little Samsung notes when I was going like just drafting these the other night. Uh, two, he is totes pliable. I've seen this mofk swing from webs. I wrote that. That's a little piggybacking on the Spider-Man thing, but I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. I I was really focused on him previously being Spider-Man. I think name two I other roles watched. that he was in. I just I watched that. Now, social network. That's the other one that I wanted to bring up here. Acting chops. He proved it in 2010s, the social network, and also kind of proved that he has that intensity that I think you need to play Brady. Brady is just like on the sidelines. Anytime you like see footage of him, like yelling at his teammates, he's so mean. And I get it. Like, that's like how he gets off. You know, that's how he gets going. And he also needs that in return. I've seen some weird videos of Julian Edelman on the Patriots sideline, just screaming at Brady when they're like losing, like you're too old. You're too old to be here. You fucking old man. Get out. You should just fucking retire. He's and like, like that's I'm how he would fire up. That's how he fired up Brady. Uh, saw that in that new uh, Brady biopic that ESPN plus did, but it's not a biopic. It's not it's a biopic. Like, it's, it's a, like a, a docu series, a docu series. Yeah. We're, we're, we're breaking ground on this, but that's uh, my third pick. Andrew Garfield. All right. Uh, I like your uh, honorable mention. My honorable mention is none other than Tom Brady. (laughs) What else has he got to do? He's got nothing but time on his hands. That's it. He's got the looks. We're not allowed to comment on these. That's what I get to just say it and walk away from it. That's that's my guy. I I can comment. You you know, I'm just going to throw in a little bit of player there. Uh, All right. Here's mine. You can give me your reaction, but I can't say anything for it, okay? Honorable mention, Keanu Reeves. Anything? Keanu Reeves is 57. Yeah. Tilda Swinton is 61. Yeah. I'm just I saying. Can't, can't, I can't I can be, uh, you know. I don't think I can. So I'm just letting you talk. All of the... All the nonsense you you spill about uh, about the age, 
I think you gotta, uh, I think you gotta look at yourself in the mirror for this one. And that's that's, that's my that's comment. The segment. That's the segment. All right. Well, that is your quarterback room cast. Also, cast. no, we don't need Keanu. Re- Sorry, I'm not done. I am All not right. done. We don't need Keanu Reeves in a Tom Brady biopic because he basically already did that in the 2000s sports film called The Replacements, Replacements, where he plays quarterback Shane Falco. I can't comment. I can't comment. Um, But you know what I can comment on is our next uh, next news item, because we got to put it to bed. We ended with the honorable mentions. We got to put this to bed, TJ. Uh, So that's our casting of Tom Brady. So we got, uh, you know, Channing Tatum going up against Tilda for the role. And who knows? Who knows who wins that? Um, but we have a very certain decision coming out of Washington, D.C. earlier today or yesterday. I'm not sure. But recently we had a decision coming out of America's headquarters, which is that the Washington football team will no longer be officially known as the Washington football team and instead will be known as the Washington Commanders. There's I am a lot well. of commanders. I think, it's, I think it's fine. I think it's a fine name. Very, very uh, generic. And it's, uh, it's almost as generic as football team. I think personally, I will just keep calling them football team. There's like a, a video that surfaced like from beginning of the season where uh, someone was interviewing Chase Young, the defensive player for Washington for the commanders um, and asking him to like rank or not rank, but grade the list of potential team names that have been leaked. And he, uh, he graded the commanders an F and now that's his team name. So sucks. Chase young. Good thing. They're just paying you millions of dollars. I'm sure that opinion has magically changed since, you know, August or September and, uh, go commies, go commies, get, go football team. It's yeah, it's, it's a fine name. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. That's uh, my take. It's a hot. My hot take is it's it's just fine. I think. Uh, otherwise, in the sport, in the in the league, in the National Football League, uh, we've been talking about Brian Flores pretty recently. He got fired from the Dolphins, uh, surprisingly to a lot and of our people. Our take was that it seemed weird that he got fired because he was yeah. doing a, a hell of a job. And it, it, we were, you know, speculating that he'd be probably hired as a head coach for another team very soon. And um, doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore because he spilled some major tea the last couple of days. And he has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL, uh, alleging that there is a systematic racism rampant within the NFL uh, hiring process for coaches that is uh, preventing a lot of coaches from, you know, getting jobs and basically getting a fair like, shake. There's a there's a, a rule uh, called the Rooney rule named after a late owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers who uh, brought about uh, a mandatory process of hiring one person of color uh, when you're interviewing, interviewing. For, interviewing, just interviewing for a head coaching position. And it's resulted in what uh, Flores is saying that uh, a lot of people are just brought in basically as a token for the interview process, and they already have their mind made up on who they're going to hire, but they have to ha- interview somebody else to yeah. legitimize the process. That it, is Essentially, a, he's saying what a lot of people, I mean, That's, if you yeah, look around the league, it seems as though, it just seems as though this is true, and that is that 
many teams are just going through the motions instead of well, uh, approaching these interviews in good faith. You, you, you hear like the, the NFL is what, like maybe conservatively like 80, 85 percent black as far as players and amongst the head coaches right at this moment, only Mike Tomlin is a black head coach in the NFL. That's it. Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike Tomlin is it. And he's been in that role for like 15 years. So that kind of says something. That's that's basically what's going on here. Um, but not in total. He's also alleging um, just along with this that the uh, that one. Uh, I guess he like found this out because well not found this out but he got like enough evidence that he felt comfortable moving forward with a lawsuit when bill belichick uh accidentally texted him saying congratulations on the job so he like said thank you so much bill but what job and bill belichick who now we have leaked texts from bill belichick of all people 70 year old patriots head coach bill belichick or bb as he uh, seemingly prefers to be known, he texted uh, Brian Flores uh, on the New York Giants job saying, like, you got the gig. And then Flores said, that's amazing. I don't even interview there until Thursday, though. So that's wild. So that can't uh, be real. Yeah. To which Bill Belichick replied, I fucked this up. Sorry. Thought, <laughs> thought you were Dable. Sorry, BB. So basically he has... Brian Dable and Brian Flores probably in his phone, both as Brian. And he uh, picked the wrong one, texting congratulations like a boomer. And uh, now it's in a lawsuit regarding how Brian Dable was picked, basically, to be the Giants' next head coach. And they were before only interviewing Before he had a chance to even interview. Yeah, before Flores had a chance to interview. So <laughs> it's a big bomb being dropped. Another concurrent bomb that Flores has dropped is that while he was head coach of the Miami Dolphins, the uh, owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, bribed him with $100,000 per loss in, I think, 2019 when they were, like, tanking for Tua. And uh, Flores only won games from there, so essentially he's like, I didn't take that bribe, but that was offered to me. And um, Hugh Jackson has also come forward, former coach of the Cleveland Browns in 2016 and 17. And Hugh Jackson has said that he was also incentivized by the Cleveland Browns uh, monetarily to lose games those seasons that he was a head coach. Uh, Hugh Jackson actually did lose many, many games during those years for the Cleveland Browns, uh, Cleveland Browns, which makes you, you think that he probably took that bribe. Right. Which, um, it's kind of kind of wild that he's like putting his name out there like this happened for me also and like putting his name in this lawsuit. Well, they can't unpay him and he can't unlose those games, but maybe coming forward, uh, it's probably not getting a job. Life, that's I mean, yeah. Now that the NFL has kind of gone all in on this whole uh, sports betting thing, having owners offer incentives to throw a game, bad should open up those owners in the league at large to at least some type of class action lawsuit for anybody yeah. who's bet on a game uh, that may have involved a sports team offering such an incentive because that's match I mean, fixing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's literally fixing the game. 
Yep. So, my goodness. Yeah. So, that's what's going on in the NFL. Um, so, and we that, will see what resolves there. I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that Flores decided to drop this during, like, a media week for the Super Bowl. So, uh, a not fantastic sports reporting website, uh, Deadspin, which oh. is part of the Gawker media conglomerate, yeah. which is really fallen, right. fallen, Sounds, you know, yeah. down in terms of yeah. credibility and, and, uh, you know, with their whole, uh, I guess just outsourcing and picking up like freelance journalists instead of keeping their on staff writers happy, they decided to go the cheap route. That's not the point. Uh, the point is, uh, they published an article on January 12th that takes a look at every black coach that's been hired in the NFL since 2000 and how they fared. Uh, there are 25 uh, black head coaches that were hired, at least hired since 2000. And among those, there's just one that is still employed as a head coach. Yeah, uh, you Tomlin. mentioned it already, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. So just kind of insane uh there is no article about all the white head coaches that were hired and fired but i imagine it's that list is a lot longer than 26 um for the last 21 years yeah very certain of that there's 32 jobs at any one time um all right let's move along uh let's talk about some boxing tj been dying all day. Last 40 minutes to talk to you about some boxing. Uh, last time we talked about the uh, the sweet science uh, of, of of boxing, uh, we were talking about Chocolatito, the the little top little chocolate, uh, Roman Gonzalez, and uh, he had inked a deal to fight Juan Estrada in a third matchup since 2012 uh, last fight being just a year and a half ago or so at this point i think it was october of 2020 and uh, it was a crazy match uh that i think juan estrada uh pulled out and it was up for a debate and it was arguably fight of the year um or one of the contenders because um, i think you know fury wilder three got that one um but it was it was up there finalist and uh, we thought we were going to have a trilogy here come March 5th, but uh, turns out, no, Juan Estrada contracted COVID-19. He does not uh, think that he's going to be able to recover and train to be up to the physical condition of fighting Chocolatito in time for March 5th. And they initially were talking about postponing the match, but instead, uh, I think Chocolatito's camp got an offer to just ink a new deal with a, uh, a Mexican fighter who is a, uh, a belt holder. I think a little bit below Chocolatito's weight and um, they're going to fight. And it is uh, Julio Cesar Martinez is who he's going to be fighting. And so that should be a match. It, they're arguably just as good of an opponent and should be a crazy match of old versus young. Yeah. Old versus young was the angle I was going to take here. And uh, despite the, the weight difference, which I believe it's just one weight class, yeah. this isn't something that uh, Chocolatito is going to be able to, to come these into little with, guys with incredible confidence. Uh, yeah, the, these are smaller, smaller fighters. Like and 115. honestly, the, the smaller fighters don't get a lot of the, the credit, but among them, Chocolatito has, you know, been, I think 
easily one of our favorite boxers, uh, despite oh, sure. his his small size. But uh, Julio Martinez only has one loss on his record, and it's from his professional debut yeah. back in 2015. Since then, he has had 18 victories, 14 out of 18 by knockout. When these in these smaller weight classes, that many victories by knockout is hard to come by. Uh, however, just to put things into perspective, we've we've talked about him a lot, but just want to reiterate: uh, Chocolatito is a professional with 50 wins, three losses, uh, 41 of those 50 by knockout. So, I I think this one will probably not go the distance, and I would be happy to see uh, Chocolatito kind of maybe take this victory and then you know retire. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of scared for him, but I'm also excited about this fight. Uh, I think I think this is going to be a good one. And that's yeah. taking place on March 5th, being uh, hosted on DAZN. I think uh, I think Martinez might be a little bit yeah heavier than Chocolatito. Chocolatitos, I don't know. They're they're both like around the flyweight, around 115 pounds is where this is going to be. So these are like guys that are like five foot two, five foot three. Uh, fighting i think i don't know how tall martinez is but um yeah yeah i think they're both yeah five two so these are these are some small guys but they're gonna be brawling so it should be a fun fight um otherwise in boxing jake paul i always gotta talk about jake paul he's always in the news um and he's further kind of digging his claws into the sport of boxing um in a professional manner uh so people may remember that last year he like created his own promotional label for boxing Uh, so you have like matchroom boxing which is like a lot of british fighters you got top rank boxing which is like you know the top rank brand on espn wbc is on fox um so jake paul he's like created his own brand he only has like two fighters one's himself and the other one he's signed is Amanda Serrano, who is just known as one of the best women's boxers of all time and currently is the unified female featherweight world champion. And uh, he is uh, signed her up to fight against uh, Katie Taylor, who is the uh, – she fights for Matchroom. So she's an Irish boxer. Eddie Hearn is her promoter, with, and uh, it's going to be airing on DAZN April 30th. So it's a new fight to get hyped about. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's Jake Paul, like kind of flexing, like I'm a boxing promoter as well. Even when like, I'm done with this exhibition boxing, whenever that happens, um, I'm basically in the sport to stay through promotional, uh, avenues. So, you know, it's some news there where he's full further kind of like infiltrating himself into the sport and Amanda Serrano, she's like, she's legit. She is an amazing boxer. Uh, Katie Taylor also has some belts. She, uh, I think at the lightweight level, she's like a champion there. So it should be an awesome fight. They're going against, though, a card with Shakur Stevenson. So who knows what the ratings are going to be on it. Well, uh, ratings cool. or no ratings, and uh, I hate to sound like a broken record every time we bring him up, uh, Jake Paul has yet to uh, to have himself a real fight, which I think at this point no longer matters because yeah. he is uh, one of the highest paid boxers of the last couple of years and his promotional company is now allowing other fighters to get get some of that shine so to speak um i'm looking here uh, espn it dropped an article in december talking about the 
uh, pickup of Serrano onto his uh, promotional company, Most Valuable Promotions, uh, specifically discussing how her, you know, recent fights, she she had been offered, uh, you know, these purses, and now the purses that she's getting are seven figures, and the purses she was being offered before were nowhere near that much. So yeah. If if the infusion of Jake Paul and his brand of whatever it is that's happening is is getting more eyes on the sport and it's allowing these people to get paid these female the money boxes. that they should be paid. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I will always be for is for people chasing that paper and getting that paper. So uh, Jake Paul, I I don't really appreciate him as a fighter, but as a person who is shining light and sharing that shine, I'd have nothing but respect. Yeah, I, one kind of like thing that stuck out to me that I've been hearing is that he's like he's a douche, but he's being a douche for good. Yeah, and like he's like using like all this clout that he's accumulated in kind of like douchey ways to get here. All of a sudden, he's like, you know, getting in super public, long-standing beefs with Dana White so that UFC fighter, fighters severely underpaying UFC fighters. Yeah, yeah. So he's like he's not a UFC fighter at all. He doesn't have any UFC fighters on his promotional brand. He's just like doing this for the attention and to like point light that Dana White doesn't pay his fighters much of anything, a living wage as far as professional athletes are concerned. And he's like bringing on like, yeah, Amanda Serrano on his promotional. He's like having her. I think you saw that article from December because that's when he had the second fight against Tyrone Woodley. And she was like the co-main for that fight. So that's why she was like collecting that major bag. Like he basically got her that bag by putting her as a co-main on his, his, uh, his card. So yeah, no, like he's a douche, but he's like doing really good things with the fame that he's accumulated in boxing so far. He's like the, uh, the Lex Luthor of boxing right now. No, he also like legitimized uh, like that. Uh, who's like Tony uh, Montana, like too pretty Montana or something. That boxer from like the first Woodley fight that was Montana too pretty to love, I think, was like the guy's moniker. And like he was like kind of a really low level like fighter and like but he was from Cleveland and that's where Jake Paul was fighting. So he's like, you're a Cleveland guy. I'm going to put you like on this card, going to get you some major shine. And like way legitimized him as a fighter. So crazy shit. Anyway, that, he, uh, that's... He, he's come up as a, a force for good for the sport of boxing, despite, uh, despite I what we all thought, despite my, my own, I hunt dozens of times yeah. you and I have discussed and I have expressed nothing but disdain, but now you know what? Uh, I can no longer express those same things. He's, yeah. he's doing, He's he's a douchey force for good. Yep. Um, let's talk about hockey. 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 Uh, let's talk about hockey, man. which is a story of heartbreak, oh. and also a story of uh, just seeing your your ex just like like you break up yep. with somebody and you're like I'm gonna be doing way better now, but yep. then you like look them up. And then they're the ones doing way better. Uh, and by that, yeah. I mean, of course, the Pacific Division, the Kraken. Yeah. So Kraken was that new hotness. Check. You know, we, we were the middle-aged man driving the, the way too flashy convertible. And the Kraken was that hot young thing that we dropped everything for. And you know what? That hot young thing is not that hot anymore. 
No. I got buyers from Morris. They're beat up. They're, they're, rough. they're in a rough spot, man. Cracking last I've been drunk texting the Golden Knights, just telling them how much they're great and how, how nice it was when it was us, you know? Just like texting them like, hey, you up? I've been I've been texting a lot of you ups and I've been being left on red. Yeah. Uh the Kraken are still in last place. They're uh they have uh thirty-four points and uh they are twelve points behind the Canucks for second to last place in the Pacific division. Oh. And uh, the Golden Knights are way up there in first place at fifty-seven points, just flaunting it at us. So Kraken, 15 wins, 27 losses. Uh, the Golden Knights, 46 wins, 27 losses. Uh, 27 sorry. wins. 27 16, wins, 16 basically losses. Basically the opposite record. Prince and the Popper over here. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Golden Knights, you up. Respond, respond to my text, baby. Yeah. Uh, anyway, otherwise, let's see. French Open, man. It actually. Hold on it, a second. Got, cut, 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 cut. I got some audio. This, this one, this one goes out to the Golden Knights. I love you, bitch. I, I ain't gonna never stop loving you, bitch. Nice. Don't cut. That. Um. Let's <laughs> just hit the NBA standings real quick. Our like top teams in both conference, just to keep an eye on it. Eastern Conference, the Bulls. They are uh, back uh, in a tie, in a tie for first place in the East. Uh, they're neck and neck with the Miami Heat. Uh, the Bulls have 32 wins, 19 losses. The Heat have 33 wins, 20 losses. So, when, Bulls, when's the last time the Bulls have had this much juice, baby? Uh, like that, that maybe like back when D Rose, Derrick Rose was like lighting it up in like 2011, you know. Um, but yeah, that's. That's most recent awesomeness. Maybe that like Jimmy Butler Eastern Conference Finals year. That was like 2013. Um, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a long and then, time like, since they've been number one this deep. Yeah. Uh, Western Con. I mean, those are our top two teams. Behind them, we got got some other some other teams. We got the Sixers with all their Ben Simmons drama. They're still hey, right look in the playoffs. Just little nipping yeah. at the Bucks, right, right at the Bucks at number five. Just giving little nips. Kevin Love and Company, uh, they're there at number five, and got the Nets at six, Raptors seven, Hornets at eight. So Charlotte, huh? They might, they might sneak in there. Uh, that's that's the playoff picture in the East, in Man, the Western. Just a just a quick note. Um, the Portland Trailblazers traded Gary Trent Jr. a couple of years ago to the yeah. the Toronto Raptors. I think it was a very fair trade, and I think both teams have walked away better than they were before. But, man, just love seeing Gary Trent throwing up, like, 30-plus points a game, essentially, since uh, since the trade. And turning it around as a defender, which is one of his weak points back in Portland. And part of the reason why, you know, we, we had to get rid of him, because Portland has been notoriously ass on defense. Anyway, he's I miss a, he's you. A young, I miss he's a young guy. Throwing you up, it around out there. You up, Gary you Trent. Uh, Western Conference, number one, the Suns. The Suns are up there, man. Uh, we got the <laughs> Warriors, number two. Uh, we got the uh, the Grizzlies, number three. Wow. Jazz at four. Mavericks at five. Nuggets at six. Timberwolves at seven. 
and the Clippers at eight to round out our playoff teams there. Trailblazers and 10th. And, um, you know, Lakers. Like four games, four and a half games behind uh, the last playoff spot. It's manageable. They can go on a run. I, Maybe. I don't think they want to. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's that's our NBA corner. Uh, we're just in the thick of it there. Uh, otherwise, the Blazers managed uh, to lose to the Thunder, okay. who are in complete tank mode. They're at 14th out of 15 in the Western Conference. The Blazers lost to the Thunder on Monday in a stinker. 98 Thunder, 81 Blazers. A stinker. Um, all right, and then uh, let's just round out the podcast with just a little bit of tennis, TJ. Uh, so we've been covering tennis the last couple of weeks with the Novak Djokovic saga as he uh, was trying to get into Australia without a COVID vaccine. He was in Australia. He was getting deportation threats from the Australian government, and then he left right before he got deported uh, so he wouldn't be banned for three years from the country. And uh, now it was all for the Australian Open, uh, that that tennis grand slam down there. Uh, It's over now. He did not get to participate. And the winner of the Australian Open is Rafael Nadal. Hey, uh, don't put an asterisk on this one. Nope. Uh, It is... Because he he's is. not the best tennis player, Ethan. He's just the best vaccinated tennis player. He's uh, he's ranked number five, I think, in the world right now. This is his actual specific ranking. He ha- he previously has been number one for like almost a year as far as total weeks in his career, like 220. So like, you know, maybe not almost a year, but more than half a year. And um, yeah, man, he's like he's good. He's good. He got uh he got himself his twenty first Grand Slam title, which put him in first place all time for men's Grand Slam titles above uh, Roger Federer, with wow. whom he was tied at twenty. So congrats, Nadal. You and did it. Congratulations, uh, vaccinations. Yeah. All right. Before we go, uh, TJ, back. do you have anything that you want to recommend to the sure. audience? Sure, sure, I do. I am recommending. The Righteous Gemstones. HBO, oh, nice. The HBO program. HBO program. Uh, Danny McBride, John Goodman, uh, several yeah. other, you know, funny people. I just started season two. Yeah. It's got uh, Eric Andre. The Holics guy. Yeah, uh, uh, Adam, Adam Devine. Adam DeMamp Devine. is his character Devine. in Workaholics. Devine yeah. is his real name. But, uh, yeah, no, uh the pilot is kind of not great. The first episode, it's like an hour long. Um, I watched it and I was, I had like a few kind of like, I breathed out of my nose a little harder, you know, like, but no really like, like uh, laughs or chuckles. Something to keep in mind though. This is uh, something I wish I would have known going in. There are a lot of dicks. You will oh. see several, uh men's penises a lot of penises a lot of, the, a lot of richards this might be like the most dick can't hear you your mic ever like the dick dick heavy it's there's a lot of cocks oh. but amidst the cocks is some humor that develops after the first two or three episodes i don't want you to think that the first two or three episodes are the only ones full of cocks there are tons of cocks in the first two or three episodes 
and they remain throughout. But if you can tolerate the dicks, there's also some good humor. Uh, Righteous gemstones. Okay, let that let that marinate. They hang dong. Yeah, there it is. Uh, how do I follow that up? All right, uh, so I'm going to recommend a comic book called Saga. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, there's there's also some 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 dicks in that comic book here and there. There's some nudity. There's some uh, some foul language. It's uh, it's rated M for mature, uh, but it's excellent. If you're into comic books, it's uh, it's got like 50. Well, hold on a second. Right if now. you're into comic books, you're already reading. Fair some. enough. If you want to get if into you comic want books. to yeah. try comic books, this is the one. Hundred percent. Uh, it's got 55 issues right now, I think, and it's been off the air, so to speak, for three years. Um, but they just came out of hiatus. So if you want to get in while there's a new upsurge in popularity for it, now's the time. Uh, it is about sort of like an intergalactic fantasy series with uh, the characters being two uh, inhabitants of different planets at war with each other. Their love is forbidden. Uh, Romeo and Juliet style, they get together anyway. They have a, uh, a child that has elements of both of these, like war torn nations uh and peoples and uh it's it's a forbidden child uh you know there shouldn't be any cross between these two these two planets and uh it's the saga of uh, their their fight for survival so it's awesome i highly recommend checking it out and uh i hope you do various audience members listening in and that's our podcast yeah yeah um so so either way, you're going to see a dick. Yep. That's that's how I want to leave this pod. And uh, until we talk to you all again post-Super Bowl, keep sweating. <laughs>